Welcome to Full Court Press, and I'm Liam Griffin. Will T, Sam Bellinger, your boy, said Texas was back after the Rose Bowl, but now they're 6-4? and four? Well, first of all, Liam, it was actually the Sugar Bowl. Oh, my was bad. One of those wins on the road to Rice. Yes, but, well, first of all, that game was at NRG, and second of all, the game was against Rice. They're 1-9 and nine this year, and they weren't supposed to come close to a New Year's Six Bowl. It's just the brutal truth. All right, boys and girls, today I'm joined by the starting safety of the 2019 SBC 4A football champion Episcopal Knights, Mr. Will Tarlington. Champion, sounds so good. On today's episode, Carmelo gets picked up, Luca gets hot, and the Texans get massively humbled. We begin today with the injury sustained by Tua Tagovailoa. Two went down with a hip injury in the third quarter of the Crimson Tide's victory a week ago over Mississippi State. Excuse me. And the fifth-ranked Tide should not have trouble with Western Carolina today. But then they have at Auburn. Will, Bama currently sits at number five. Do you think the Tide are done for without Tua? I will thank you so much for bringing me on the podcast, Liam. I'm very excited to talk sports with you. Uh, now to answer the question, Liam, my entire life I've been the biggest Alabama hater. I just hate how good Nick Saban is, and every and ever since they beat my Longhorns in 09, I have been rooting against Bama, against everyone, including Oklahoma. I've jumped on bandwagons of the teams that, that beat them, like Cam Newton in 2010, LSU in 2011, and even the kick six game. I believe it is unlikely, but I think the Tide are out of the art. I do not think the Tide are out of the playoff picture. I think the Tide might have a shot of getting the playoff only if LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson run the table. And they beat Auburn by a lot. If this happens, the committee will see that Bama has lost, has the best loss of any team in the entire country, and they will have put them ahead of Oregon, who will win the Pac-12, because they will have a common opponent in Auburn. They will beat Auburn by a lot, whereas Oregon lost Auburn. And their only good win would be against Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Even if Alabama somehow makes it to the playoffs, I think that they are doomed in the long term because they lost their, they lose their top three receivers and to uh, in this defense has been the worst defense Nick Saban has ever had. And I think they will be on the downfall in the future. So I, I agree with you for the most part. But, if Alabama loses to Auburn, and trust, I honestly think they will, they have no chance. They just don't have a chance, because when you lose, when you get lose to LSU at home, by the way, that's a bad loss, and then then you go on the road in a tough game like that and lose to Auburn, what are you going to do when you're in a neutral environment against, it would likely be LSU in the first, in the first game of the playoff, it's without Tua Tagovailoa, so... I think they're going to easily win today, but next week, I think they're going to lose, and we already know they're not making the SEC championship, so they won't have a chance to prove themselves against the Georgia or an LSU again, so they have to win today, which they should, granted. They have to win next week, but if they don't win next week, they're done for, and I know I'm kind of pulling for Oregon because my boy Mitchell Mostyn is the team manager there, but if Georgia beats LSU, we're going to have... I still think LSU makes the playoff. I, I I agree with you. I think if Georgia beats LSU, LSU makes it for over Bama for sure. Absolutely. Right, so, so the Texans. Um. Well, if they don't make it to the playoff for the uh, for the first time in years, 
we will not we will not see a matchup between them and Clemson. It'll be a so, good about time too. Six, yeah, uh huh. Past six days, the Houston Texans have been or seven days. The Houston Texans have been humiliated forty one to seven by Lamar Jackson and have picked up a huge win against the division rival Colts on Thursday night football. Many have said Bill O'Brien's job is in jeopardy and another season ending JJ Watt injury doesn't make things easier. Liam, what do you what do you believe the past few games have revealed about the Texans? Well, if you ask me, they've essentially revealed nothing because it they've reinstated the message that I've been given all my life living in Houston, Texas, watching this football team compete with my New England Patriots. It's that the Texans are unpredictable. One week they can have they can play the best game of their lives and pull off an upset win on the road in Kansas City. Then the next week they can go into Baltimore and absolutely get their butts destroyed. Like I still don't know what this football team is made of, and I'm about to submit a brutal truth here that's going to make a lot of people mad. So going into Last Sunday, week 11 of the NFL season, after we lost to the Ravens in Baltimore, I was concerned for when the Patriots would have to make the trip to Houston to play the Texans. I'm not anymore. Yeah. Well, you know what? I actually completely agree with you. We've been a complete up-and-down team since we've got Deshaun Watson, or really, honestly, our whole entirety of the franchise. Um, so I, I think the Texans um, have... A great shot at making the playoffs now with that win over the Colts, but I just can't see them beating the Patriots or the Ravens or the Chiefs in the playoffs. So that's that's the problem with them. Um, so, uh, yeah, like they can beat Kansas City on the road like they did this year and lose to a very mediocre team the next week. So, um, I also think that this Colts game is really really important for making the playoffs. We now have the tiebreaker over the uh, the the Colts. Yeah, <laughs> and all, um, we finally got D Hop going again, which has been really important. Um, so if we want at at all to make a playoff push, then we need D Hop to be at the level that he needs to be. And um, also, we have a very easy coming up. I mean, we play the. Terrible, your terrible New England Patriots next week. Oh, yeah, terrible. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then our remaining four games are we play the Titans twice, home to Denver and at Tampa Bay. I could definitely see us winning four of those five games. Yeah, um, I could too. And then also, I think the, a big factor in us not making a playoff push deep in the playoffs is the loss of J.J. Watt really, really hurts us from many different standpoints, so... Yeah, you think? Uh, uh, well, I'm going to reinstate this. That Baltimore blah makes me less worried for when the Patriots coming to town to face them. Will, the struggling Portland Trailblazers have signed Carmelo Anthony in an effort to help boost an early season disappointment. The Blazers are currently 5-11 and and 13th in the Western Conference, and Damian Lillard, their star point guard, is currently help, hurt. Excuse me. So they need someone to help desperately. Will, Carmelo's last NBA adventure right here in Houston was a failure. So do you see success for him in Portland? Yeah, my entire life, I have been a huge Carmelo Anthony fan. And I have received a lot, a lot of hate for that. Um, and I think it's unbelievable he took him this long for me on the NBA roster. But I do not see any success for him or the Portland Trailblazers this season. 
I have mixed feelings about this because, you know, the Blazers were in a desperate need at the wing position, um, specifically scoring since Lamarcus Aldridge left. Um, And I can also see Lillard and McCollum getting frustrated over Carmelo taking a lot of their shots. Um, Even though he scored 18 points on Thursday night, Lillard wasn't there, so his... his, um, I just don't think those three, those those three are all alpha, um, you know, uh, ball handlers and scorers. So I just don't think that the three of them could work well together. Yeah, and in the same way, James Harden and Carmelo Anthony were both alpha ball handlers a year ago, and we saw how that worked out. Despite Chris Paul trying to mesh everything together like he did so well the year before, he just couldn't do it. And I agree with you. I just honestly don't see any success for Carmelo in Portland, basing that off of the fact that going into the 2017-2018 season, when Carmelo was with OKC, people were saying Western Conference Finals for the Thunder. That didn't happen. Now, 2018-2019, last year, people were saying Finals for the Rockets. That didn't happen. And you could make the case that Carmelo was not on the roster for the playoffs and they were stuck in the four seed, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. They still didn't... They did not get any better with him. So, I have a hard time believing that Carmelo is going to have any sort of success in a Blazers uniform, particularly when Lillard comes back. Yeah, either way, I mean, talk about an early disappointment or again. Yeah. So, now, Dallas Mavericks stud Luka Doncic has been on a tear in the early going with seven triple-doubles in their first... 14 games. Luke has worked very well with Chris Stapps in his first game since tearing his ACL, and Dallas is near the top of the West. I think they are currently at fifth right now. Bam, it's very early, but right now, would you include Luke in the MVP conversation? Uh, it's honestly hard to say because the criteria for MVP changes from year to year. One year it's yeah, stats, one year it's wins, one year it's just being a Greek freak. It's hard to say. So, but, if we are basing this off of all three, winning, being popular, and triple, and stats, yeah. Luka Doncic is a former EuroLeague MVP. I think he won it at the tender age of 16 or 17. And, he's, and now his game is translating to the NBA. I know the Dallas Mavericks didn't have a great record last year, but they have looked very, very good in the early going. If I were any Western Conference team, I'd be on the lookout. Because... Luka Doncic, this kid is the real deal. Well, Liam, I think that is a great uh, point about the MVP. Um, I think the MVP is kind of a joke now that Harden didn't win it last year. I just think that was unbelievable. And um, I think it's clear indication that stats will not get you an MVP. Now, to be fair, if he keeps these stats up and the... Mavericks get a three seed in the West, and yes, he will get MVP, but I do not see that happening. So, he is averaging incredible 30, 11, and 9 this year, but I can't see them getting anything higher than a six seed in the playoffs. I think the West really? is good at the top. Um, and also, I see LeBron and Giannis as clear front runners um, in the MVP race, and I see Harden and Luka close behind, but I guess you can see, say he is an MVP candidate, a candidate for MVP, but I did not see him winning one this year. Well, MVP this year or not, he for sure has an MVP in the future. 
Alright, well, I'm going to need to change the phrasing on this topic. After an opening lot night loss in Philly, my Boston Celtics went on a 10-game winning streak to propel themselves to the top of the Eastern Conference. Since then, we've lost tough road games in Sacramento to the Clippers and in Denver. Neither of those three places are easy to play in, particularly without Gordon Hayward for all three and then Kemba Walker for the second half of last night. Hayward fractured his left hand, and Walker left last night's game with concussion-like symptoms. Test... Uh, Positive results have come back, according to Brad Stevens and the Celtics organization. He will get reevaluated at some point today. But will there appear to be a clear-cut top five in the Eastern: Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia, and Miami? Do you believe my Celtics can finish on top of this group when Kemba and Hayward get healthy again? First of all, prayers up to Kemba. Um, as he got carried off in that stretcher last night. Um, but Liam, Celtics just lost two straight and. I just, they do look good right now, but I just haven't seen enough to comfortably see them coming out of the Eastern Conference this year. Um, I like Philly, honestly, and I think it's really only a three-team race with Milwaukee and Boston included. Um, but I feel like Philly just matches up really well against Milwaukee and Boston as um, on Boston, I, who's going to guard and beat? That's, that's the one issue I have with them. And uh, you know, Al Horford um, had a really good series against uh, Giannis that one time they played. Um, so I just like the size of Philly um, in a seven-game series against both of these teams. Um, but I also think that getting home court advantage in the playoff is very important for these three teams. Absolutely. The, uh, whoever is the one seed doesn't have to play. The other teams, the teams have to play each other first. So that's very crucial. And I agree with you. I really think it's a free team race between Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia. I think that we're going to see the old Toronto this year without Kawhi Leonard. Pascal Siakam's not used to stepping into the spotlight, particularly in the playoffs. And Miami, they're just too inexperienced to do anything in the playoffs. I, I have a hard time believing they're going to maintain this hot start. So if, if you ask me, it's really a three team race. Now, that being said, out of these three teams, I said it a few weeks ago with Jay West. Milwaukee's still my favorite to come out of the East. They just are. I don't believe Philadelphia has the scoring ability to push the to beat the scoring ability Milwaukee has. I don't believe Ben Simmons. I know he hit his first three last night, but he still needs to expand his game outside. I think that that when the, I think that come playoff time, the Sixers are going to really start to feel the losses of both JJ Redick and Jimmy Butler, two great scorers, and. Boston, you're right. We don't have a big that can defend well enough. Anus Cantor is not a good defender. So, yeah. Milwaukee's still the number one in the East for me. But, to answer my question, if the Celtics can, first of all, get healthy again, then pull off a trade at the trade deadline for a Steven Adams type player, yeah, why not? That would be a great addition for that. Oh, absolutely, because not only is he a great rebounder, he's a great defender, too. That's exactly what we need against Embiid and Lopez and all them. Well, alrighty, it's time to play In Your Shoes, where we'll be placing the figure to shoes of an important figure in a revolving topic. We'll start with this. If you are Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, does today's showdown against Penn State worry you about your chances of making the playoff? Oh, um, I mean, it's going to be a great game, and Penn State's a really good team, but no, I am... No worry um, about um, Ohio State, as um, I think 
they are the best team in the, in the country. Really? And, um, Number I one. Think, yeah, I do. I really do. Chase Young, everyone's like, oh, maybe he's going to come back with Mike Rust. He's been, I think it's great for Chase Young because he has a lot of rest now. And I don't think there's any worry about Chase Young if he's going to have any rest on him at all. Um, I think he is the best player in college football, and I think uh, the Cincinnati Bengals should take him with the number one overall pick. I agree with you completely. And one thing you forgot to mention about Chase Young, in addition to having all that rest, is the adrenaline rush he's going to feel before the game. Yeah. Like, going into cross-country races, you always feel that adrenaline, and it's hard to, uh, well, Coach Michael preaches the strategy of going out controlled under the first mile, but it is hard because you've got all that adrenaline rushing through you. Now, and I agree with you completely, I don't necessarily think Ohio State is the best team in the country. I think we, I honestly can't come to that conclusion because Ohio State and LSU have not played each other. But, that being said, Ohio State should win today. They're at home. They're in that front of that rowdy Columbus fan base. Urban Meyer will be there in spirit, technically. Well, and in real life, because he'll be doing the Fox pregame show, but all that aside, Ohio State should win today. Although, Liam, I do think one thing to point out is I think Clemson is very underrated right now. Oh, I agree, compl- I agree completely. Very, They're very well rested right now, and I can easily see them beating, which it'll probably, it could be Ohio State or LSU, they'll be the three seed, and I can see them beating either LSU or Ohio State. I, I- do think Ohio State will win the playoff this year, but um, watch out for Clemson. So, next up, you're the Cincinnati Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor. Do you try to go 0-16 for the number one draft pick? At this point, how can you not? So, I'm going to pull up the NFL standings right now, and the Bengals are the last winless team. Uh, let's see. So, you've got Miami, potential other competitors. You've got Miami at 2-8. and eight. That's the only other team in the AFC. And then Washington at 1-9. and nine. So how can you not try and lose out the remainder of your games? Because Cincinnati has home against Pittsburgh tomorrow. Then in week 13, they have home against the Jets. Week 14, they have at Cleveland. 15, they have home against the Patriots, L. Week 16, they have at Miami. Week 17, they have home against Cleveland. So the one game I could see them losing out of those games is, or winning, excuse me, is the game at Miami, because you could make the case they're tanking two, even though they've already won two games, but if Miami still wants the number one pick, it would not surprise me if they rest, or put, or if they decide to rest Ryan Fitzpatrick because of a bad knee. Quote, quote, well, rest. Well, Liam, I think that, like, logically, you're saying, of course, you go 0-16, Although I think maybe you try to just win one game, maybe home to Cleveland, maybe at Miami, just so you don't go down as one of the worst teams in NFL history because this team has not even been close to getting a win this year. Um, But there's no reason to win more than that this year. Uh, I think this is an easy one. The real question is, who do you draft? Chase Young, Joe Burrow, Tua. There is uh, a lot of uncertainty that he will be the number one pick. Oh, Absolutely. Especially now that Tua's gotten hurt. Well, next up, your Spurs head coach, Greg Popovich, with the terrible start you're off to. Do you open up trade talks for DeMar DeRozan and or LaMarcus Aldridge? 
sad to me to say, but how stacked the West is, I think that Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs need to go into full tank rebuild mode and trade DeMar and LaMarcus. Yes, I do think this because I don't think – I think after this year, these both these players, um, because of – their lack of three-point shooting, their value is going down in this league. And I think they need to trade them as soon as they can to get as much value as they can from them. Maybe just do it. Okay, see, did with Paul George. They're not going to get that many picks for those guys. But just get a boatload of picks. And I think they just got to go complete rebuild mode, honestly. And I, cool also, I was thinking about this. How cool would it be if DeMar got traded to Toronto for a playoff first? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be something? Now, now, I agree with you completely. I think that the Spurs should rebuild, and to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if Greg Popovich calls it quits after this year, or at least after the Olympics. Pardon me. It'd be a great way for them because, assuming they win, unlike the we all assumed they would win in the World Cup, it'd be a great way for him to end his coaching career. Now, Lamarcus Aldridge is a guy I wouldn't mind seeing in a Celtics uniform to sort of. Play, build, play the center position, but I don't know if we have the assets to trade for him. But to answer the question, the Spurs should absolutely try and trade them while they can. The, neither of those two players are getting any younger, and as we've seen in the past, age is a terrible thing to have in the NBA, particularly if, you're, if your game is getting washed up the way DeRozan and Aldridge are. They're 5-13 and 13 right now, 13th in the West, not in a good spot. Trade now rather than later. All right, so last one. If you're the Golden State Warriors GM, Bob Myers, with even with the even worse start you're off to, do you consider trading Draymond Green, who is in a contract year? I don't know because, honestly, I don't know how much they could get for Draymond Green. His game has declined over the past couple of years. Ever since Kevin Durant got to Golden State, he has not been the same player, if you ask me. But that being said, you have to try. I mean, they're five and fifteen, and to be honest with you, I thought signing D'Angelo Russell was a terrible move for them all along. I know Jahari Long is going to kick my butt for that later, but it's just true. D'Angelo Russell was not a great move for them, as has been evidenced by their however many losses they have in the beginning of the year. They should have they should have kept Iguodala and tried to convince Livingston to come back for the other year rather than to go after what's the D'Angelo Russell. It hasn't worked out at all. It was a terrible decision on the half part of Bob Myers, and look where it's gotten them. I know you can make the case Steph and Clay are hurt, but to be honest with you, even if Steph and Clay were both healthy right now, I'm still not sure they'd be in a playoff spot right now. I'm just not sure. Uh, well, honestly, I, I agree with you that I was not big on the D'Angelo Russell move. I think... He's disrespectful how Jahari Long said D'Angelo Russell is better than Clay Thompson. Oh, it's absolutely disrespectful. We're not going to get into that. No. But I would not trade Draymond. I think, I don't think there's a need for panic for the Warriors. I mean, yes, they suck right now, and they're going to suck for the next few months until Steph comes back because D'Angelo cannot carry his team by himself. But I don't think people realize the value getting Clay back next year will be. I mean... Clay, D. Russ, Draymond, and Steph is a nasty core, and that core minus D'Angelo Russell won 73 games. And then you just add D'Angelo Russell in the mix. 
Um, I think that is a very, very good core. That's still that each of those players have a bright future ahead. Um, and I think there's no reason to trade Draymond um, because I think he will resign for sure. And um, I don't. I just can't see Draymond going anywhere else. Honestly, I I'm I'm honestly not certain he'll resign because. They're gonna, Warriors are going to have to think about salary cap in the next couple of years, and the large contracts both all three, deloading Curry and Clay, all have. That is true. That is how true. much? How much is Draymond going to want, and how much are the Warriors going to be willing to pay him? Yeah, I, I feel like Draymond just because of his ego is going to want a lot. <laughs> I feel like Draymond also is also a team player. Even though he has a high ego, I think he's a team player, and I think he would be okay taking a little less to stay on that team. Yeah, man. Okay, time for the history lesson, boys and girls. We're on our great achievements of the past in the coming week. We've got a double whammy here today on November 23rd. Five years ago today, Odell Beckham Jr. made his famous one-handed catch against the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football that has had its legend grown ever since. Now, one year ago today, November 23rd, the epic showdown between Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods took place. The match required four tiebreaker holes, but Mickelson came out on top Claiming the $9 million winner-take-all prize. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that would be very nice. So, one year ago, Monday, November 25th, the uh, L.A. Chargers quarterback, Phillip Rivers, set two single-game records and it went over Arizona. He completed 25 straight passes in a game and completed 96.6 total per, of his, the percentage of his passes in his record-setting game. That's a Incredible. Now for something not as recent. 58 years ago, Wednesday, November 27th, Gordie Howe played his played in his 1,000th NHL game. Howe was the NHL's GOAT until some kid named Wayne Gretzky entered the league in the 80s. Just some kid named Wayne Gretzky. 85 years ago on Friday, November 23rd, the NFL 29. broadcast... 29. I'm sorry. The NFL broadcast its first nationally televised game. It was a showdown between... The Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions, and the Bears came out on top, 19-16. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if that same score happened in the showdown between the two today. Okay, the show's almost over, so it's time for Who You Got. We'll start with this. We talked about this earlier. Eighth rank Penn State travels to Columbus to battle the number two Buckeyes. Well, we talked about Ryan worry levels for Ryan Day earlier. We both said he shouldn't be worried, so I'm assuming you have Ohio State winning this game? I do. I just cannot see Penn State scoring enough points as their offense is very mediocre this year and their defense has carried them all year. I can't see them scoring enough points um, against this Ohio State defense to beat this electrifying Ohio State offense. And you called Ohio State the number one team in the country. They're going to play like it today. They're going to beat Penn State. Yeah. I'll be keeping I'll be keeping track of the game while you guys are walking through later. <laughs> Wait, what time is it? I thought it was a late game. Is it not? No, it starts at 11. Oh, it does? I forgot about that. Wow. The noon uh, game. All right. So, next up on Wednesday night, my boy, Kyrie Irving. Not anymore. He's not playing anymore. He's my favorite player. He rakes his return to Boston in a nationally televised game. Yes, he is not playing, but... How do you see the Nets looking in this one? Um, uh, well, I think they're going to look a lot better now if they don't have Kyrie Irving getting humil- getting humiliated by his old fans. Like, I don't think I I don't think the rest of the NBA understands 
how much Bostonians hate Kyrie Irving. We had all the hype last year, and then Kyrie Irving's egotistical attitude screwed with the games of both Tatum, Brown, Smart, Rozier. I could go on and on and on. So, don't get me wrong, Boston fans are nicer than most NBA fans think we are, but in a case like Kyrie, they can... They can go off, so and I think it's going to upset several Boston fans that he's not playing, and and the Celtics don't have Kemba and Hayward, so it's going to bounce it out. I don't think it's going to be a particularly entertaining game, but I think we'll win because we're at home. Yeah, I I was really really looking forward to this game. I thought Kyrie was just going to have an absolute tear because yeah, Boston. I mean, Boston is blaming. Um, Kyrie for not giving them championship. So, um, and for, you know, ruining the chemistry of that team. But, um, I think the Nets don't have a shot in this one, even without Kemba Gordon. So. And one omission really quickly. So, according to ESPN, there was an on-field mini-fight between Ohio State and Penn State. Tensions, Tensions rose as they exchanged some chippy words between the two, so... That only makes things more interesting in less than an hour kickoff. Wow. Wow. The last one on Sunday Night Football tomorrow. Huge game as the 8-2 Green Bay Packers travel to play the 9-1 San Francisco 49ers in what could be a possible NFC Championship preview. Will, who wins this huge game? This is a really tough one because Aaron Rodgers always seems to play exceptional in the big games. But the Packers are 30th against the run and the Niners have... Identity is definitely in the run game. Uh, I think San Francisco's defensive line um, will do enough for them defensively, um, mainly because they are at home, but I'm not very confident about this one. So you're unsure who's going to win? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure who's going to win. Wow. Like, I, I, I have the Packers winning this game because on Sunday Night Football two weeks ago, I think when San Francisco lost to Seattle in overtime, don't get me wrong, that's a quote, quote, quality, unquote, loss. So, I'm still unsure what they're made of because Seattle's a great team, much like Green Bay is, so, and you made the you made the point, Aaron Rodgers plays big in primetime games, so, I'm going to take the Packers tomorrow night. Well, Liam, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm Will Turlington. I'm Liam Griffin. I'd like to thank Will for being my guest today. You get all the thanks, brother. And thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or contact me. Thanks again for tuning in. Happy birthday, Will Arnton. And we will see you next week.